You're listening to a bonus episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast recorded at the Scaling New Heights Conference in June of 2022. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to a special episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I am Blake Oliver, and we are recording live in person at Scaling New Heights in Orlando, Florida. And I'm David Leary. And I'm here as well. I didn't really give you a good lead-in on that one, David. That's because we're face-to-face, and it's always way more difficult when we're face-to-face. But we have guests again, because whenever we go to conferences, we like to bring guests on the podcast. It's fun to see people face-to-face. And I always try to bring on people. You always have me go hunt out and get guests. And I'm like, we should talk about security. We never have talked about, we bag on security. We always have questions about security. We see how important security is. I was like, let's get some security guys. So we have two guests. We have Andrew Lassise. He's from Tech4 Accountants. Andrew, you want to say hi? Hello. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I am not a robot. I am just another regular human being. Human being. And we know you're not a robot because you have your own podcast. That is true. I've had both of you on it. David, Long while, time, early while, back, days, yeah. while back in the early days where I had no clue, and then Blake more recently where I still have no clue. And then we also have Jamie Beresford, who's from Practice Protect, and from Down Under. Right, Jamie? Hey guys, how are you going? Great to be on the podcast for the very first time. No worries. No podcast? Any podcast ever? <laughs> no, no, this one. Oh, this one. This okay. one. Got it. Yes. Welcome. Cheers. Yeah, I had you on mine as well. Yeah. So let's talk, I guess the first thing would be, you both are here, you both have booths, you both are in this security IT game. I'm walking around the floor. Why do I use you and not you? Do I use both? Like, what do you guys do? What's your companies do? Your experience, background, et cetera. I'll take the lead on it and let Jamie uh, fill in the gaps. So it is in a peanut butter and jelly sense where we have clients that have both services because they both secure two different areas. So what we're handling at Tech4 Accountants, it's more on the endpoint side. So most people are familiar with like antivirus and VPN, backup, firewall, things like that. So a lot of what we focus on is the IRS has a laundry list of things that are required for anybody that's holding taxpayer data. And what we do is fill the gaps for what the IRS is looking for, as well as best practices just in general in the IT field. So as soon as I have taxpayer data on a hard drive somewhere in my building, on a computer, on my network, I have some requirements. Correct. From the IRS. Correct. And, you know, we'll, we'll hear a lot from people like, oh, well, I'm too small. And it's like, if you do your own taxes, right, as most do, how would you feel if your accountant said, I don't really want to protect your own data? Because that is what you're essentially saying. But, you know, the, and then the larger ones are like, oh, no, well, you know, QBO handles it or something along those lines where it's just people kind of have this false sense of security. And if nothing bad has happened yet, then must be good. You know, you drive a car without a seatbelt and don't get in accidents. You must not need a seatbelt because they don't get in accidents until they do and then regret it. So see, see a lot of that. And then Jamie, you want to talk about how you fill in other gaps in the security sector? Sure. And I think it was interesting, Dave, that you talk about storage where data is stored, whereas we're more about access and how data is accessed. So you know, you can have all the firewalls and all the tech around, which is really important around your storage and where your data is. But if you have lapses around how team members access that data, that is where hacks happen. 
You know, we have a, an internal saying that we say it's, it's easier to trick than hack. The way things work now is hackers aren't sitting out there, you know, trying to brute force firewalls. They're tricking people into clicking things and doing things or logging in on infected computers and so forth, which leads to legitimate access being gained from an illegitimate person, and that is tends to be how these things are happening. So our, our platform is more, we, we say that uh, cybersecurity is not just a tech issue, it's a human issue and making sure that users are educated and making sure that the agreement between the employer and the employee sets the guidelines for what's acceptable. So, for example, a firm owner has, um, you know, a lot of firms are remote now. They may not necessarily be comfortable with their team members accessing their client's bank accounts on a computer that is um, shared with a 16-year-old nephew who has does all sorts of things on that computer. That's an issue, but unless that's stipulated by the firm, if, if that leads to a breach, then that firm's liable because they haven't set the guidelines within that firm. So controlling access, and I guess, the, you know, Andrew's one of the best uh, services providers around security and managed services and IT, whereas we're more of a product. We're a SaaS company. Okay, that's the difference. That's sort of service and then... So Andrew's company would possibly implement your app? Correct. We work very closely together. Okay, got it. That makes sense. Exactly. We share a lot of clients. And when you say endpoint security you're talking about the physical laptop that i'm provisioning correct the thing that the person gets on that can access the data so whether that is the shared laptop with the 16 year old that hasn't set the policies in place of who can and can't use it or if they're using a hosted cloud platform and that platform itself needing to be secure since that's where the data is accessed Sorry, we, we got distracted because somebody in the booth next to us is literally flying $100 bills all over Someone's the floor. making it rain. <laughs> <laughs> it distracted us for a quick second there. So, just going back to policy. Is that actual money? Uh, no. No, okay, it's not real money. I was going to say, we might have to pause this. That's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> is this cable, cable long enough? Yeah, I mean... It, well, you know, um, the Colbox, Colbox guys did that one year. They had, he had a money, money gun. Yeah, they're shooting real money. They're shooting real money out at the crowd. It created quite a scene. So but this is a good way to distract somebody so a security breach could happen, too. Yeah, so sure. People are bending over, picking up $100 sure, bills. Yeah, my wallet. I, <laughs> I mean, that's a good, it's a good example, though, of here is something attractive that would bring people to, it's actually a great analogy because it's not real, but someone could see it as something that is real and then follow through with it, bring it to the gas station. They're like, this isn't a real dollar, so... You know, you could get a phishing email that says, you need to reset your Microsoft password. And to most people, they're not looking super, super deep into the specifics of, is this real or is this phishing? And so it says, all right, well, enter your old password and enter your new one. And it's like, thanks for your old password. Now we're going to use that because you didn't change anything but thank you for that information. So it's actually a wonderful analogy that we got $100 bills <laughs> thrown out next to us during this. So can you mind a second about policy? So you're saying if they don't have a policy, they're liable. Now, is this a paper policy? Like, this is the policy of our office, blah, 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 blah. Or is it actually more, maybe for Andrew, is it you actually set up the Microsoft policy on the machine that allows, like, what's the requirement, I guess, of the IRS or liability? Is it you have to have a paper policy or do you actually have physical hardened policy. So on the policy side, for people that are pre- preparers and have a P10, it's required that you have a data security plan in place. So 
at the same time, that is what the checkbox is that they need to have as far as compliance goes. Now, on our side, you know, you could write on a piece of paper saying our policy is never use a computer. And but you couldn't just present that and say this was our policy and they breached policy. Okay. So we're coming in and saying, you know, say there's a password policy on the computer of you need to reset it after every X days. And we could put that on the server that implements that policy and forces it. So it's not only we have it on paper, but we have it being executed through what is actually happening through our IT company. So twofold, but I believe the technical is checking that box of do you actually have one? And the IRS says needs to look like this. And then they say, also look at the FTC, which says it needs to look like this. And they say, look at the NIST, which says it needs to look like this. And what I had originally thought would be like a 10-minute thing when my accountant said, hey, I need to have a, a data security plans 2019. And he's like, I need to have a data security plan. Can you help me? I'm like, yeah, no problem. And then like 20 hours into it later, I'm like, this is so much work just to get this done coming from an IT professional there's no way people that aren't IT professionals can even you know start chipping away at this stuff like it's very complicated so how does somebody attack this if I mean we're now living in the great resignation a lot of firms and maybe the Jimmy you could start with this and Andrew could finish this question so you know people have 40 percent turnover you constantly have employees coming in and out in and out in and out now how do you how, what are some best practices or tips you can give people? Obviously, you have to get everything locked down for starters, but then every time you get somebody new, you got to start over again. Yeah, and you've touched on a good point there because cybersecurity is a broad topic. It's in what people want to, you know, everyone wants to be cyber secure, but ultimately it's employee control that hits harder at a firm, you know, that perception that somebody could be leaving soon and they could potentially be taking a database. Um, those people have access to, they may not necessarily have not necessarily just just trust as in something underhanded might just be someone's not actually very responsible in the way they use a computer accidental clicks we call them clicking on things that aren't aren't great and in those instances separate to the you've got the irs guidelines but then you also have your cybersecurity policy and common law and in the event that something like that does happen if you haven't been clear about what the guidelines are in your firm that is going to rest the responsibility or rest on the accounting firm whereas if in those if that hap scenario happens and you can pull out your IT and internet usage policy and say look we are responsible data custodians here's the guidelines within our firm this particular person has gone outside of that you're going to dramatically limit your liability and that's also something to be aware of because that is where things come unstuck like we, we have a, a data breach response service so when firms do have something happen we're involved in these on a daily basis and nine times out of ten, it's something along those lines where an employee stepped out of line inadvertently and it all comes down to whether your cyber insurance is going to hold up. What did you do before the fact? What Show us what due diligence you've taken as a responsible data custodian. So let's say I'm a firm owner. What is the number one thing I should be concerned about from a security standpoint right now? Well, look, it's just gotten a lot more targeted since covid you know, back in the old days, look, we, the devil's in the email, right? The number one breached application is email. That's number one, okay? So phishing scams. Yep. Like so you're getting into about. someone. When, when we talk about cybersecurity, cyber firm owners 
minds tends to go to their practice management application or where their client data store their storage. Okay, it's not how breaches. And I agree for everybody, our listeners. When I worked at the app, I built you know the QuickBooks app store. Everybody was always worried about the security of all these apps. I'm like, the apps aren't the security. That's things. not the weak point. That's not the weak point at all. <laughs> it's not even close to the weak point. But man, they do so much due diligence about apps and not enough due diligence about their own employees or their own firm. 100%. And look, mail is the big one, right? Because it's a gener- everyone has email, not, not just accountants. So there's a lot of bots and software out there that's out there to brute force a 365 or a Google Suite environment. Okay? When you get access to somebody's email, you can not only spam your client base, and that's everyone's had those emails, right? Where it's from someone you know and trust, but you know it's not from them. But you can also go through their sent items and get a treasure trove of information, find out who's trusted within their firm. And that's what I mean. I don't know what, it, when COVID came along, it went from, okay, our brute force bots just breached this mailbox. Let's just spray as many emails out to as many people as we can and try and info, get them to click on something to now these targeted where people are going in and going, wow, this guy's an accountant. They have a trusted relationship with this client. They're actually doing the payments for this client. Let's impersonate them, set up a rule so when the client responds, they don't see that reply. And over time, build a conversation to a point where you can go, hey, these bank account details have changed, but I need you to pay this really quickly. Um, Next thing you know, somebody's transferred $50,000 and that accounting firm is by proxy the one that made that created that advice so they're the situations we're seeing it's way more targeted than it was pre-covid and this could kill a firm i mean reputation wise right yeah yeah even financially yeah and and look it's a good point you make because it's you know there's very little peer learning it's embarrassing right you know if you're a firm owner and something like this has happened and on the face of it it seems really like not not the smartest day you've ever had you're not going to talk about it and that's what that's true. doing that's is true. nobody's it, walking around saying my firm got hacked yeah. last week. Be careful. Nobody, yeah. no, that talk doesn't <laughs> no. exist. Yeah. No. There was one podcast I heard where there was a firm owner talking about it, and I was really surprised because most of the time, nobody wants to admit it. Yeah. They and probably. What's the numbers? And if you walk around the show floor, yeah. What percentage what, of firms have been breached? Here. Yeah. How many? How many? How many of these thousand people have been hacked? Well, we've got about knowingly hacked. Oh, yes. <laughs> Not currently. <laughs> well, they wouldn't know it necessarily, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, and that's that's the biggest problem, you know. It's if if you were I mean put yourself in in the hacker's shoes, right? If you were to infiltrate, why would you let the person know that you're doing it? So people say, "Oh, well, we've had great protection all this time." And you know, why would you make it known that you have infiltrated? That's that defeats the whole purpose. You know, if you were robbing someone's house, you wouldn't come in with an air horn and be like, "Hey, I'm robbing you. I'm robbing you." come, look, you're being robbed. It's like, well, now they can remediate. It's like if you come in during night while everyone's asleep, you know, you can navigate without getting caught. And that's kind of the idea for what these people are doing. It's not the big and loud, hey, I'm in here and, you know, here I am, unless it's something like a ransomware where it's like, hey, I already encrypted all your stuff so you could get rid of me. It doesn't even matter. Now, it seems like ransomware was big a few years ago, but that's, is that still the same problem it was? Or is it, is, is this like email compromise scam thing more concerning? We see everything. And I mean, just quick history, like we've been in business for eight years. The first six was everything to everybody. And then the last two has been tech for accountants, like very, very specific as to, you know, who we're servicing. And 
the the ransomware. I mean, we still see it, and but the how sophisticated these things are getting now. We've we've seen where people come to us where they say, "Hey, it looks like at 6 a.m. somebody got on my computer and filed all these fake returns, changed all my clients' um, routing and account numbers, and they filed these refund returns that are going to a different person." And it's it's extremely targeted. So it's not even you know back in the day it's like oh pop up like ah my computer's slow and they keep showing me ads, you know those days, it's just not like that anymore. But the ransomware still exists. And I mean if you think about it, you can get in through email, and you have an email list of ten thousand accountants. You send it to all ten thousand with something that'll lead to ransomware. And 92% of breaches happen through email. So you send it to 10,000 people and 0.01 click on it, and it's a $50,000 ransom, and they pay it. That's not a lot of work to make $50,000, and then it's in Bitcoin. And yes, they can investigate and bring down these groups, but it's not just, oh, well, there's the accountant routing, and you know, Blake owns it, so it's Blake. So vast majority of attacks are coming in through emails. I or my staff click a link in an email. Maybe we put in our password to a fake site that gives us gives the hacker our Microsoft login. How do we protect ourselves against this? What are the top strategies? Turn off the internet. <laughs> Don't well, use to, a to make it a really simple answer. Multi-factor, a third factor around your email. You've, okay. You've, not, you've taken yourself from sixty percent secure to ninety-nine percent secure. Okay. And yeah. multi-factor, like, what do you recommend for people? Because there's text, there's the, the Hubie keys, there's apps. Like, what's Well, then the... it comes down to a convenience play, and we haven't talked about the balance between making sure it's convenient for team members, because yeah. obviously the, sometimes the mo- most, mo- remote, <laughs> most robust security isn't necessarily the most convenient. The best now is the passwordless, okay? so Because yeah. I have my multi-factor is a pain in my butt. Every day I have to enter in, like, a code... I'm using LastPass Authenticator, right, or one of these authenticator apps, and I get the six-digit code. I got to go, oh, I don't have my phone with me. I got to go downstairs. I got to go get my phone, bring it back, put it into the website. So what's, is that, it, it's so painful that I almost am tempted not to do to it. To have it, yeah. And that's, but, that's and, the balance. And then, but, but, you know, I do it, but it just, it's, so you're saying the future is I'm not going to have to do that. Well, it's, it's now, and it's passwordless. So a QR code comes up. You don't even have to enter a password. You just get your phone, hold it up to the QR code, and that authenticates you. Okay, there's often a face ID, so you look at your phone first, in you go, and that's as convenient as it mm. gets. So uh, accounting firms are versus other industries. If I'm a bike shop, is the, the lower chance of people coming after me and trying to ransom mirror me and get into my systems a lot lower than the accounting firm? Or is the accounting firm like right there at the top of targets? Out there? Yeah, because of the trust they've got with their clients and the financial relationship that they've got and the ability for fraud. Once you once you get into an accounting firm system, you've got you can leverage that relationship and that trust they have with their clients and use that to coerce people into transferring money where it shouldn't go. And where are these attacks coming from? Like who is who are these hackers that are attacking us? They're multi-level franchises. So the people that actually write the software, the clever guys, they actually franchise it out to other syndicates who then do all the grunt work. Because there is actually a bit of work involved, especially in the conversation afterwards. So the ransomware process of negotiating what that amount's going to be and and how that process happens, 
they there's different levels of these criminal syndicates where they are you can make assumptions you know eastern europe russia whatever you want to but you know nobody really knows but a lot of the ones that have been busted have come from that region of the world so i, I think one solution people do and we always we get confused bits in the podcast all the time all these hosted companies will host your stuff host your quickbooks host all your files and their big play is security like so so what if i get it if you're a firm owner I, I want this off my plate. I'm just going to dump it off to somebody else. The whole value prop is I'm hiring you to be secure. How do these hosting companies keep getting ransomware and over, it just keeps happening. Like the, the, It's just confusing because they're, they're the ones promising the security. The security, yeah. Well, unfortunately, when they're in multi-tenant environments where a whole lot of firms are in the same environment, one gets a breach, that can daisy chain across to the rest. You know, what we've been talking about here is more about access. If you're accessing a web browser and typing in credentials inside a hosted environment, it's no different from a security perspective of doing it on your local desktop. Yeah, it's like most people are familiar with like a team viewer, something like that. And, you know, you remote into somebody else's computer and then you have full control of that computer and whatever that computer is allowed to do. That's literally what the cloud is like at the at its core. It's just cloud-hosted stuff. Yeah, it's just somebody else's computer and whether it's virtualized or how secure they make it. But it's just like in the accounting industry. I mean, everybody, you know, feels they are the greatest accountant and they try the best for their clients and, well, I do this, that, and the other and, you know, I use artisanal paper which really is a big differentiator for the compliance work that I do. And, And they know other accountants that claim to be good that are absolutely terrible. So it's no different in the IT space where everyone's going to claim security is the number one thing that we focus on. You can offload this onto us, even though legally you can't transfer liability to someone. So you're still on the hook regardless. That's news. Did you know that, Blake? What? Being you can't... a firm owner yourself back in the day? That yeah. Even if you transfer liability, it's still on you. I guess you can buy insurance. That's <laughs> that's the best you can do, right? Is yeah. Well, I, I have a friend who's a lawyer, and we were we were talking about this exact topic, and and I was telling him about this client, and they were considering suing their old company as they were coming on to us, and then I was like, you know, do do we want to take on? I mean, you know, there's ninety nine point nine nine percent chance nothing bad will happen, but do we want to take this on? And I was just you know, just talking with them. And I was like, you know what? He could sue them all they want, but it's their liability and who they pick as a vendor. Yes, it sucks that you actually went out of your way to prevent this from happening. And you can make the case for that. So when they say, how did you let this happen? And then they say, well, I hired this company. It at least shows that you have been putting forth effort versus there of other firms that have had breaches and it's the, well, we knew about this vulnerability, but we didn't really think it was going to happen to us and kind of fell through the cracks. So ultimately, it still falls on the firm owner and it's not really fair, but just like, you know, tax returns and long story short, my old accountant was not a good one. But me as an IT professional, I, I can't discern who is good and who isn't. It's just like, well, this is Gary and I like him. And then I had somebody else audit his work later and he said, his exact words were, was Gary in a bad car accident in 2017? Because that's the <laughs> only story I can put together for why this was actually submitted. He said, this is a day one accounting 101 class example of 
what's wrong with this return? And I don't know this stuff. You know, it's just like, oh, my accountant said my return's good. And he sent it to me. And I'm like, I don't want to pay all these taxes. But like, what, what am I going to say? You're wrong. Although I did look at Schedule D is the, uh, is the rentals. Is that right? Uh, I'm not a tax guy, so... That's a a different podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I'll just say it with confidence. So my Schedule D didn't have one of my rental properties on it. Just, whoops, you own another house. We just missed that one. And the balance sheet didn't balance. That was the the, uh, one-on-one. But I didn't know that. And the accounting firm owners... They say, well, I hire this tech company and, you know, we'll see a lot. Well, it's a local guy. I like him. He's a nice guy. He really knows a lot because I don't know anything about computers and he knows more than me. Oh, yeah. The, I mean, the nephew's the greatest IT guy in the world. And they know, like, and trust him. And hey, what, what are they going to do? Be like, let me grill you on IRS publication 4557 to see if you really know your stuff. You know, it's just, oh, he knows how to remove a virus. Cybersecurity expert. Well, wait, 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 wait. So that brings up a question, which Andrew, then how do I, how do I know who knows their stuff when it comes to IT? How do I hire? How, how, what how do, do I look for? I trust you. That's a place yeah. you're trying to yeah. ask right like, now. How do I know you know what you're talking about? <laughs> it's a good question. <laughs> That's a very good question. Well, you have a podcast, so that helps, right? Well, yeah. And since I have a podcast, I must know everything about yeah. <laughs> data security. And I mean, you know, I've spoken at conferences on data security. So I mean, I at least play an expert on TV and at least know <laughs> enough that I can, you know, I, I probably wouldn't be speaking at things on this, well, but let me that's ask a you good this question, then. though. Let me, so let's say you're talking to somebody who's in your area of expertise, your field, IT person. What would you ask them to find out if they know what they're talking about? Because maybe I could ask the same question. I mean, in the accounting space, I mean, Jamie and I both hit super hard on IRS publication 4557. So if they don't know what that is, that right there okay. is gigantic red flag. I mean, there's 4557. There's 300 pages of cybersecurity no, law. It, I think the answer to that is how well do they know you? You know, do they know your apps if you're an accounting firm? How, do they know your apps? Because there's plenty of generic IT companies mm. out there. But as an IT professional, it's based around the app stack. If you need to know the apps and you need to understand the firm. When are the deadlines? What is the terminology that you use? If so, if, if an IT guy is glazing over when you're talking about a 1099 versus a W9 and these sorts of things... They don't know accountants and they don't know your apps and they're not going to be a great provider for you. That's a good point. Specialization mm-hmm. is key. So just to wrap up, oh, there's a closing question here. Firm, is there like a, a rule of thumb like, hey, if your firm needs to spend X percentage of revenue on security, is it 10%, 20%? Is it once too much? What's your, what's your take on that? <laughs> what's my budget? <laughs> yeah. um, We're asking take, two guys that will be the, uh, yeah, on the receiving yeah, end of that. Yeah, is that, so, that funny? yeah. so take your gross profit. <laughs> times 0.99, that's how much you need to be spending on. <laughs> I, I had heard someone that was, and he doesn't, a very nice guy, but his his initiative was to get, what what was the one with the engagement ring? It was like three months of salary goes to oh, your engagement the, the, point. The, the, the Diamond family, they created that marketing the thing. Beers. Yeah, right. The Beers, right. Yeah. Right, so, so his was 2% of gross revenue should go to cybersecurity. So, you know, a million-dollar firm should be spending $20,000 on cybersecurity is the rule of thumb that he was trying to get off the ground. Now, we never, <laughs> we never see, I love that idea. That's I mean, usually what we see. It's the price is based on the headcount, which is usually 
congruent with how much work goes into it. So I don't know if there's necessarily a blanket answer, more so just have somebody that knows what they're doing. You could get their work audited by someone no, else. No, no, well. no, I want, I want you to tell us all your secrets. So per head count, so like what should I be spending per head on cybersecurity all in? All in, yeah. well, I mean, our all in package, I mean, that's we're doing an onboarding fee up front, call it 500-ish dollars. And then $100 a month, which covers all the software per person that's included in that and proactive protection. But everybody's got kind of their different stack. But I think it's a reasonable price considering what you're protecting against. You know, a data breach is going to cost thousands and thousands of dollars, plus the remediation, plus the loss of reputation. I had done a presentation. I, I've heard stats that like the average data breach costs uh, or hack costs over $100,000. Easy. Yeah, that's an easy number. If, you're, if your firm has any sort of assets in it, and you can get hit technically by GLBA, $100,000 per record that gets breached. So if you lost 10 clients, technically, you could be up to $100,000 in Each. fines. Oh, or, total. Or each? Each, yeah. So wow. there's a million. So a million. Yeah, for yeah. 10 records. Now that is the up to 100,000, whether or not in reality should that happen, if they would actually fully execute that for someone that's making 10,000 a year, probably, probably wouldn't happen in reality. Right. But okay. there's, there are firms that have been hit very, very hard Plus, if they had a ransomware attack, then the dealing with the investigators or if they're paying the ransom and the loss of reputation, the just everything that yeah. comes that comes with it, there's just there's no benefit. And then there's the how many would you like to have before you before you start to take it serious, you know? Mm -hmm. All right. So now I'm at that point. I've listened to the podcast, I realized, oh man, my firm is weak. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in trouble. How do they get a hold of you, Jamie, if they want to sure. learn more? Practiceprotect.com. Um, go to our website. You can do an accounting security consult. It takes about 30 minutes. And we actually, first of all, we understand the applications you use in your firm, whether you're remote, how many remote, get your use cases, and then cut to the chase and give you a plan to imp actually implement. And going back to that question of how much to spend, the first thing I'll be making sure is just making sure you're not spending too much on the consulting process which is if you're going to go to a generic IT firm, first they have to understand an accounting firm and that's, there's quite a lot of work involved in that. Whereas once you understand a specific industry like accounting firms, you can cut to the chase and make that investment on the actual implementation so you're getting value, not just a whole lot of consultants coming in and talking to you. Makes sense. And Andrew, how do people get a hold of you? Uh, tech4accountants.net and our audit is essentially based off of the IRS publications, but even if you know they're a bookkeeper and don't answer to the IRS, it's still good security practice in general, which is what drew us to it to begin with. So techforaccountants.net and on the front page, you could book an audit free just to see where you currently stand and you know make the recommendations for here is how you could secure that. If you have an IT guy, you know, hey, he left you vulnerable, but you know, get this patched or you know, happy to help. Mm -hmm.
not the case. And, 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 there's and the, there's that's the our signal. That's our signal. It, we, but, we are in Florida, and uh, the power might go out. <laughs> but I think I have we'll a great idea for, a, for, a, for the great phishing email. I will send, you could send a phishing email about, click here to audit your security at your firm. No. They'll really click on that. All these firm owners that aren't yeah, secure. Those That's people the, would, would be oh, yeah. probably, though, the most secured ones because they're actually interested in it. Usually the people that will give pushback. And it's like, well, what are we doing here? Why did you schedule this to begin with? But the pushback is from the ones that have no protection. They're like, nah, I'm good. And it's like, I mean, gotcha. not the That makes sense. Well, Andrew, Jamie, thank you so much. This Thanks, has been a uh, yeah, bonus episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast, recording live in Orlando at Scaling New Heights. Enjoy. Cheers.